0: Mark chapter nine, I want to talk to you from the subject all things are possible. Can you say that with me? All things are possible. All right. So we, we just want to get into this idea and make make these words of Jesus a, a part of our spiritual DNA and, and a part of our, our verbiage and, and conversation that Really, with our God, all things are possible. He is the creator of all things. There's nothing. There's no problem He never has had a solution to. There's no dilemma that's ever surprised Him. Nothing has ever taken Him by surprise or confused Him at all in one iota. He is the God who can do and make the impossible possible. That's who we serve. Amen? Uh, he's the God of the turnaround, no matter how bad it is, even to the point of death. He even makes covenant with those who are, have gone to the grave. Even at that point, he's the God of resurrection and the God that can turn it around. And I, and I want us to have this as part of our vocabulary, that all things are possible, uh, both for your life, but also as we go out and minister to people, that we, we run into all kinds of situations and difficulties and, and things that for you and I are way too difficult to handle, or maybe we don't even have a solution. But with God, we can minister by faith that he will come and respond. We, we just sang it together. He's a way maker. Amen. He's a way maker. He can make a way. Uh, hey, and I'm exhibit A. How about that? <laughs> I'm exhibit A on that deal. So let, let's have the faith to believe that all things are possible. Here in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 9, uh, Jesus in, is in action. All throughout the gospel of Mark, you see Jesus just constantly in motion and action. Mark is always saying Jesus suddenly did this or he immediately came and did this. In Mark 9, Jesus has just come off of the Mount of Transfiguration, one of the high points of his earthly life where he is on the mountain. And on that mountain, he shows his disciples that he really is the light of the world. And he literally radiates. And in the original language, it talks about it's like lightning flashed from him. That would have been pretty crazy to see, wouldn't it? Imagine Peter, James, and John, they're on that that mountain with him, and and they're just taken by it, and to top it all off, not only is Jesus glowing and shining, but who who comes and talks to him? You remember the story? Who comes and talks to him? Moses and Elijah come and have a conversation with him about his exodus that he is about to lead. It's, It's a crazy, amazing experience. Jesus just comes, in Mark's gospel, Jesus just comes out of that experience of the Mount of Transfiguration, He comes down, and this is what he finds. All right? Are you with me? Come on, stand with me, and let's read the scripture together. Mark 9, 14. We're going to read all the way through verse 29 there. Read this entire story, all right? And when he, Jesus, came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with him. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, to Jesus, they greeted him. And Jesus asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered him and said, "O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, verse 22, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He's as dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to his disciples, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. It's our bread this morning. We just pray that you would take this, Lord, and and, and use this to build our faith and help us to be the kind of people that know and believe in our heart of hearts that all things are possible with you, Lord. You care for us, you love us, and you're with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. All things are possible. That comes right out of the mouth of Jesus. I want to cover a few faith lessons this morning. Let's go with lesson number one. Let's talk about distracted disciples. Okay, Jesus comes out of this grand, great experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down and he finds the disciples engaged in a dispute with the scribes. Now, now who are the scribes? Well, the scribes are, are like the lawyers of their day. They're the guys that are the Bible scholars. Remember, you're dealing with a society that is is, is based upon their their law, their civil law, and their religious law. All of it is based upon the scriptures. So these scribes are like the the Bible scholars of their day who are there to help people understand the law, interpret the law, and at times enforce it if necessary. So that's the scribes. Jesus comes down, and he sees them disputing with the, the scribes. And it's all a big distraction. It's all a big distraction because the main issue is is we need to get this young boy delivered. We need to get him healed. We need to get him set free and bless this family. But there they are. The disciples are engaged in some kind of dispute with these Bible scholars. I wonder what they were disputing about. You know, what what would it be if it was normal church world? It could be anything, right? (laughs) You've been around a little while. It could have been about the color of the chairs. It could have been about the color of the carpet or the new paint on the walls or it could have been about the songs or the choices or uh, the preacher's haircut. It could have been about anything, right? Amen. <laughs> all right, all right. But see, here, here what, are, what are we disputing about? And it's all just a big distraction and the things that we fuss about and the things that we get sideways with one another about and the things that we argue about, most of it don't even matter. It doesn't even matter, really. So they're they're locked up in this distracted point, uh, disputing about who knows what when there is a real need that needs to be addressed. But instead of engaging over here with effectiveness, they're engaged over here distracted. You ever been distracted? Hmm. Distracted disciples oftentimes don't get the job done. Another time they're distracted... uh, in fact, later on in that chapter, in verse 33, it shows us how they are distracted by their own selfish desires. They, they are disputing among themselves at this particular time. And, and you, you ever thought about what apostles talk about when they get together? You ever thought about that? And in the scripture, we have a few of their conversations. One of their conversations was this. No, Peter, I'm the greatest. No, John, I'm the greatest. No, Thaddeus, y'all got it wrong. I'm the man. That's what they're talking about. You read it. They're disputing among themselves as if they were Muhammad Ali. You know what Muhammad Ali's slogan was? Remember that? I'm the greatest. Remember that? Y'all remember that? God rest his soul now. I'm the greatest is what he always said. In fact, there's a Muhammad Ali joke. He was on the airplane one time and he was sitting in the chair and he didn't want to buckle the seatbelt. And the stewardess came over real nice and polite and said, sir, would you please buckle your seatbelt? He said, I ain't buckling my seatbelt. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. She stepped back and looked at him. She said, yeah, Superman don't need no airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> so they're, they're arguing about who's the greatest. And sometimes in, in our uh, desire to find our place and, and to make a, an impact with our lives and to, to make a sometimes, unfortunately, to make a name for ourselves, we get distracted by our own selfish desires. I wonder what would happen in the kingdom of God or even in a family like ours. I wonder what would happen in a church family like ours if, if we just worked for God and nobody cared who got the credit. Nobody cared who got patted on the back. Nobody cared who walked out of the building saying, man, they are the most awesome people. That guy is the bomb. Wouldn't it be something if we just didn't care about all that kind of stuff? And we just pushed all that glory to Jesus and just said, oh, it's for him. And we're not talking about some kind of false humility. If somebody says you did a good job, just say thank you. That's fine. But what, would, what could we do? If we were focused on not being focused on (laughs) and not get distracted like the disciples did. Jesus said this, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last and servant of all. Hmm. Why are we so easily distracted and powerless? Did you hear what Jesus said? When they asked him a great question, they said, why couldn't we do anything about this situation? What was Jesus' response? Remember? He said this kind, and all, there is a this kind that's a little more difficult than the other kind at times. There are some situations in people's lives that are just more complicated than other things. And Jesus says that because of your lack of prayer and fasting, let, let me bring those two together. Let's say it like this. Because of your lack of fellowship with the Father, you're powerless and you're distracted. That's a negative side. So let's, let's turn it to a positive and say this. If we fellowship with the Father the way that He desires us to and come into that oneness that Jesus talked about in John 17, it brings focus to our lives. And the distractions kind of melt away. It not only brings focus to our lives, but Jesus says it brings effectiveness to our lives. It brings power to our lives. So how can we not be distracted and powerless? Jesus said, keep the main thing the main thing. And that will help you a whole lot. Keep your relationship with God the main thing. Keep your fellowship with Him. There ought to be times of fellowship with Him every single day. And even on a constant level, keep the main thing the main thing. We're we're way too powerless. You know, there's an expectation of this man that if he brings his boy to church, that something ought to happen. There's an expectation it? And we can also tell by the rebuke of Jesus that he has an expectation that his disciples ought to be able to, to help. Doesn't he? I mean, he, rebu- he says, oh, faithless generation. <laughs> my mom would have said, how, how long I got to put up with you? That's what my mom would have said. <laughs> so there's an expectation from the world. Do you, do you know that the world has a right to demand something out of us when we call ourselves followers of Jesus? They really do have a right for that. They, they have a right to expect that we're, we're at least attempting to live right and that, that there's something different about our lives. And Jesus brings some of that difference to head right here and says, there ought to be power flowing out of you when somebody comes to you. Not just anybody, but all, disciples, everybody. that name's the name of Jesus. There ought to be an ability to help. Now, I don't know if you'll have this kind of miracle working power. The Holy Spirit may gift you with that kind of thing. Or he might gift you with a, a kindness and love and you know gentleness and, and encouragement. You know, that's really the least we can give, isn't it? Jesus says, you fellowship with the Father, and your life comes into focus, and you become more effective. So Jesus and the disciples, they can't. He can. They are distracted. He comes off of that mountain with a laser focus. They're powerless, and he's powerful. And again, I ask you the question, why, why the difference? Why the difference? Jesus' response, again, was the prayer and fasting thing. Let me, let me just ask you, how many of y'all just like, like to fast? How many of you like to fast? <laughs> I get hungry when I fast. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> you know, fasting is not necessarily one of those pleasant things. And Jesus could have just left all this out, couldn't he? he just You didn't have to say nothing about that. What's he talking about here? Prayer and fasting. You know, the, the idea of, of prayer and fasting is, is again, that, that idea of fellowship is that your life literally is being intertwined with God. Prayer is just simply that conversation that you have with him. It's the talking with God. It's the, it's the uh, did you lose it on there? It, 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 it it. It's the, it's the, uh, the connection that you have, that, that prayer is, is where you're bringing your needs, but if God needs to get information to you, he's got a line to you, no matter what it might be. We, it wouldn't take us long to get under condemnation or even guilt if we start talking too much about how much we pray. But Jesus makes a, a, a real point here, and he says that when it's done the proper way, if we were going to, to uh, Matthew and read over where he gives us the lord's prayer jesus talks about prayer and fasting a lot right there remember what he said he said there you can do prayer and fasting the wrong way and not get any results from it remember he was talking about how if you if you go and fast that you should dress yourself up clean yourself off and don't look all raggedy and torn and and forlorn and all that kind of thing you should dress yourself up and just go about your business as if nothing was different remember that and what he's fighting against is not that it's Illegal or wrong to tell somebody you're fasting. He's fighting against this idea of, of pride that rises up inside of us. Like, look at me, I'm fasting. Y'all better watch yourself. See, we, we all have to deal with that, you know. So it can be done the wrong way and it's totally ineffective and works against you. But Jesus talks about here, if we learn to fast and pray. Hey, I, here, here's, here's a challenge. Maybe, maybe this week. It's not a church rule or nothing. You, you just govern it how you want to. Maybe this week, consider fasting a meal. Consider fasting a meal. Um, and and it doesn't count from like uh, 8 o'clock at night to 6 o'clock in the morning. That does not count, okay? <laughs> Somebody said, I fast every night when I'm sleeping. <laughs> maybe Maybe... Maybe plug into this a little bit more. And, and see, fasting is not about you just abstaining from food. That's, that's certainly part of it. Fasting is about you unplugging from everything natural and plugging into supernatural. You plugging, unplugging from the kingdom of this world and you plugging into the kingdom of God. It's, that's what it's about. you know. Because you can fast and not eat and don't spend any time with God and all you did was miss a meal. You know, you know the difference. So, so just maybe consider that this week. Maybe, maybe you need to take baby steps. Maybe some of you are already in this practice. But ask God to make us more effective somehow or another. Lord, tie this knot between you and I so tight. And this flow between me and your spirit so close. That when I encounter situations, there's something there that can help somebody. Jesus said the difference is in the prayer and the fasting. So we spend time with the one who can. Spend time with the one who is focused. Spend time with the one who has the power. And somehow or another, when you spend time with him, there's a transference. There's a transference. You know how this works, right? I mean, if, if you know, if I hang out down here in Alabama, I'm going to all of a sudden have an accent because I don't have an accent right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But you ever, you ever been around somebody? maybe somebody at work or something like that. And you just hang out with them. And next thing you know, you're saying what they say. You're picking up on their little phrases and good or bad. Sometimes you're picking up on what they say. Sometimes you say things, how they say it and all that kind of thing. When you spend time with somebody, there's just a transference. that We'll try that with God. Try that with God. All right, let's, let's continue here. Faith lesson. Number two, this is one of my favorite phrases in all the gospels. Jesus says this, that all things are possible to those who believe say that with me again all things are possible to those who believe now that's right out of the mouth of our master he says in verse 23 if you can believe all things are possible to those who believe here's the revelation jesus says faith in in the lord opens up possibilities where there was no possibility where there was no way where there was a dead end street right there Faith opens up possibilities. Jesus is trying to pull on this man and say, if you can make this faith connection, it'll open up all kinds of opportunities. It kind of reminds me when Jesus came, his his main message was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is right here. It's close. It's come to you in me. That was his main message. He preached it everywhere he went. Repent, change the way you're thinking. Change the way you're thinking because now the kingdom of God has been, is not just here. It is now available to all people. To people uh, black, white, red, yellow, black and white. You know, all of them. It doesn't matter. It's available to all people no matter their economic status. No matter their prestige, no matter their, their, their status in the government or all the, the prestige of the, of the city and all those kind of things. The kingdom of God now has not just become available to priests and all those kind of things and holy people. Now the kingdom of God is available to all people. And now that the kingdom of God is available, Jesus would say, you need to change the way you think. Because the options that you didn't have yesterday, because I'm here today, you got some new options. Where there was no healing available, now, now healing is available. Where there was no miracle working power available to change all that situation, I'm here and there's new possibilities and there's new options. That's why we should step out of here and go into the world with all kinds of faith and, and excitement because now options are open because Jesus has come. All things. That's pretty big, isn't it? All things are possible. If, that's a pretty big word too, right? (laughs) Somehow or another, faith pleases God. God is attracted to people that just simply believe him. He likes it when you believe him. He liked Abraham so much that he overlooked all of his idolatry and all the past of his family. And he said, that boy believes me and I like him. He's righteous in my sight. Now, how do you get that kind of believing? If faith is so important and it opens up all the possibilities, how do you get that kind of faith? How do you get that kind of believing? Well, the apostle Paul helps us out a little bit on that. And he says, he says, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the the word of God, right? One of my teachers taught me, taught me this like, like this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. (laughs) I like that a lot because I'm kind of hard-headed. Sorry. I know none of y'all have that same problem, but I'm kind of hard-headed, so I need, I need you to keep communicating. Tell me again, Lord. Tell me again, Lord. Tell me again. And I need to hear it over and over and over, and sometimes after the 35th time, it drops in the slot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anybody have that same problem? And I need hearing and hearing. That's why we meet every Sunday. Y'all do know we do this every Sunday, right? We, we meet every Sunday, every Sunday so we can hear. We need to hear more. We need to hear. We meet on Wednesday nights. We meet in Sunday school. Uh, we we do throw stuff out on the internet, all that kind of stuff. And there's all kinds of Bible studies about it because we need hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And I hear the word of God and all of a sudden it electrifies my spirit one time and boom, I got it. And I'm a new person. That seed takes root. That's one way you get that kind of faith another way you get that kind of faith is hanging around people that have that kind of faith it transfers it transfers and sometimes when when i'm down i i got a list of a few people that i can call that i know that have a good word for me anybody like that in your life i hope you have that hope we can be that kind of family together that hey you need a boost hey let's go eat come on let's go hang out a little bit let's talk it out so Here's the challenge now who did jesus say this to all things are possible to those who believe who did he say that to remember in the story who did he say it to he said it to the boy's dad who brought this terrible situation this this terrible crisis that's going on in his family in his boy he he says this to the father and here's the challenge Can you believe that all things are possible while you're looking at an impossible situation? I don't know about you, if you've ever been caught, like they said, between a rock and a hard place. If you've ever been caught right there, it's not always easy to believe. In fact, a lot of people go shipwreck right about there. Can you believe God? In fact, Jesus is saying that to the man. I know you're seeing this thing control your son and absolutely hijack your whole household and your family and your whole life and the hopes of future is all gone. And you've taken him time and time again. You took him to church. You took him to preachers. You took him to pastors. You took him all over the place trying to get him well. You took him to doctors. Nothing could change it. Nothing could change it. Nothing could change it. And Jesus says, look, if you can believe while you're looking at that, All things can be possible. See, that becomes a difficult situation. No wonder the apostle would say something like this too. That's why as followers of Jesus, we walk by faith and not by sight. You see what I'm talking about? Because if all you're doing is walking by what you're seeing, then that's going to become despondent, depression, despair, and the spiral downhill. It's going to get you. So the challenge of our, our, our walk is while we're looking at that, can we still believe him? Didn't we just sing something a second ago that he's working when we don't see him? He's working when we don't feel it. Didn't we say, wasn't that the lyrics? Huh. So a real big part of faith is not just that God will do something. The real part of the faith is knowing that God is doing something. Whether I can see it or not, he is at work. That God is at work in our situation. He is at work on our behalf somehow or another. I put that together. I see the impossible. See, that's, you remember Ezekiel, he talked about that, that standing in the gap thing. You Remember that? That God looked for a person to stand in the gap. Now, what was that gap? Over here, you've got impossible. That's our situations. That's our life sometimes. That's our health situation sometimes. That's our financial situation sometimes. That's that's our future situation sometimes. It just looks impossible. I have no idea how this can work out. I have no idea how this is going to turn around. That's impossible. There's a gap. God says that this is possible. There's a gap. Somebody, they they just can't quite pull those together. So a believer comes and stands in the middle of that gap. Jesus himself came and stood in the middle of that gap and he pulled impossible and joined hands with possible and he put them together and he says this, now all things are possible because I'm here. You see what I'm talking about? Now we're called to be a people who are gap standers. We stand in those same gaps. And because of the god that we serve no situation in somebody's life should intimidate us no difficulty should intimidate us no situation in washington dc should intimidate us no situation in our checkbooks should intimidate us not because of what i've got but because of who i know and we come into those situations in people's lives and we stand in those gaps and we, we can use things and say things like, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he'll do something. I know he'll do something. Let's pray. Let's take this impossibility and let's just lay it before him. I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to stand in this gap with you. And we're going to stand right here together. I don't know. It may be six months. It may be six years. I don't know. It may be six hours. It may be six minutes. It may be six seconds. He might do something now. I don't know. But I'm willing to stand in this gap because I believe that he can take impossible situations and turn them around know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Has he ever done that for you? (laughs) Sure. All right. So can you believe while you're looking at this? Now this man has a has a great response. He has a great response to Jesus. Remember what he said? He says this. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's one of my other favorite phrases in in the Gospels. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In other words, I hear him saying, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. Whew, that's rough. You know how long I've been dealing with this? You know how long this situation's been in our house? and Since he was a baby, since he was young. This situation has been here. And how many of you know when you've got chronic problems, it, it becomes hard to believe? Or continue to believe? Sometimes your faith just takes a pounding. It just keeps getting pounded, pounded 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 sometimes we reach our breaking point and this dad's response is just great i like it because it's honest it's not churchy it's not religious because see we're trying to get people to believe what they don't really believe you can't get somebody to believe what they don't really believe oh you can stand them up in the corner and put a tie on them and say they're a church member but that don't mean they believe this man's response is just honest. He said, I I, I believe I kind of got some of it. But will you help my unbelief? That's a big statement. Can you be honest with God like that? I'm not saying that you take to God the person that you know you should be. I'm, I'm saying you come to God as the person that you are. See, that's part of faith too, that you believe that he will take you as you are with all your warts, bruises, bumps, scars, sins, problems, struggles, addictions. You just come like you are and you just be honest. Read through the Psalms. They'll they'll teach you how to pray honest to God. They'll teach you. When you're mad, just be mad. It's okay. Talk to him about it. When you're upset and discouraged it's okay talk to him about it see it's okay to be that way but getting his presence and you won't stay that way (laughs) be honest because pretending is an awful thing it's an awful thing I, I don't know about you but I've been the pretender before and it's not a good thing it's a terrible thing there's no peace in pretending you know that another word for pretending is lying is living a lie. Don't, don't be that. If you're struggling, it's okay to say to God you're struggling. This man does. And he gets his answer. Now, now this, this idea, this struggle now, this, the stay in this man's struggle, I believe, help my unbelief, because there are just some things that come into our life that literally threaten our understanding of God's goodness. Uh, have you ever had a situation that you've per- personally dealt with, that you know that I know I'm supposed to believe that God is good, but this is really testing me. You ever had that kind of situation? I have. Several times over, actually. So what does that kind of unbelief? This man says, Lord, help me with my unbelief. What does that kind of unbelief look like? Well, the first thing I, I say about unbelief, it looks like the normal way that people think. It looks like the normal way people talk. See, if you're going to talk, all things are possible, through God. See, that's, that's, a, that's an anomaly that the world doesn't think like that. The world, people, normal folks don't think like that. Only people of faith think like that. So unbelief just really looks like the normal way people think and the normal way people thought, talk. That this is my lot in life. This is just what I got to put up with. Unbelief looks like doubt. It looks like fear. It looks like worry. It looks like sin. It looks like a lack of love for other people. Unbelief has got many faces. It looks like unforgiveness and hopelessness, discouragement, impatience, all of those kind of things. We probably could list 30 more. This man asked for help with all of this. And here's the good news, that even if you come to Jesus with this unbelief struggle, he'll help. I don't, I don't know where we got the, the picture of, of God, of us getting ourselves together and then coming to God. I don't know where in the world we got that picture. But some, a lot of people had that problem. As a pastor, I go to people and say, well, they say things literally like this. Well, I'm just not ready yet. When I get this together, I'll be, I'll be ready. And they may not even verbalize it that way, but that in their mind, they're, they're thinking, I'm just not quite good enough yet. I just can't quite get there yet. I got some things I got to get in order before. If we could get it together, there would be no need for the cross. I can tell you that. This idea of the miracle happens. Okay. Now, listen, Jesus intervenes for this man who had imperfect faith. And he comes and delivers this tormented boy. He just... He speaks the word, this boy's delivered. He's healed instantly. Now, I want you to see how gracious Jesus really is. I mean, you don't have to have it all together, do you? You don't have to have all your faith points checked, and yes, I believe this, and I've got this doctrine right, and I've got this faith, I've memorized the book of Philippians, I've done all that kind of stuff, and I check all this time, and I went to church three times out of, uh, in one month, boom, and we going to check all that stuff off. I don't know where we get all that. <laughs> Jesus simply helps this man who has an imperfect faith. Aren't you glad he does? Aren't you glad? I mean, I am one of those guys. I am one of those. I don't have everything together. I don't have all my understanding of who he is and how he works. I don't have all that together. But I know when I need him and I call on him, he hears me. He's the God who will respond even if your faith is weak. That's what he does with his father. Because, see, this covenant that Jesus has made with us through his own blood is not based on the quality of your faith, but it's based upon His everlasting faithfulness. See, that's the point of rest for us because if you're constantly trying to be better and do better and and, and earn your spot with God, if you're constantly trying to do all that kind of thing, rest leaves your soul and it comes right into strife and you're striving for something. But if this thing doesn't rest on you and me, but it rests on His faithfulness, Then I can rest. And that's the covenant Jesus offers. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give it to you. What do you think? What do you think in this moment? This man said, I believe, help my unbelief. But this encounter with Jesus happens. His son is healed and set free. What do you think happened to his unbelief? It's gone. Unbelief in that situation is gone. Hmm. The last faith lesson right here, and this is the most important lesson in the whole story, is that Jesus has all authority and all power. He really does. He really does. This is, see, we're, we're trying to get our, our mind and our heart pointed in the direction of all things are possible. Well, why are all things possible? All things are possible because the God who loves me and cares for me has all authority and power. That's why everything's possible. So the foundation of everything that I'm believing about God working an impossible situation and making it work for me is that He is the God who rules and reigns, but He not only rules and reigns in the heavens, He rules and reigns over the earth, and He rules and reigns, and He cares for me. See, that's different. Because Jesus comes, and He is not just authority. He's authority mixed with compassion. Now, you know, in our world today, most people that get authority are not compassionate. Uh, Usually authority goes to people's heads, don't it? And they begin to use and abuse people and and work it to their advantage. But Jesus is the king who has all authority, but yet he has compassion towards those who serve him. Jesus has power to command evil spirits, but yet the tenderness to help a child. Jesus has power to command faith and the willingness to help someone struggling with their faith. Jesus has power to correct his people, but the patience to continue to walk with them until they get it right. That's how he is. What we see a picture of Jesus right here, and we see it time and time again throughout all the Gospels. Jesus is the king that everybody wants. They may just not know it yet. Jesus is the King. He's the King that's full of power and might, but He's full of compassion and mercy. He's the King that's full of righteousness and judgment, but He's the King that's full of mercy and goodness. He's the King that's full of, of power and might, but He's also the King that's full of gentleness and kindness. He's the King that everybody's looking for. He's the person that you're looking for in your life to fill that spot. He's the one. He's the one everybody's looking for and everybody wants. Jesus is the King that everybody needs. He has all authority and all power. But he knows how to use it. So in this story, which one are you? Which one of these in the story are you? You know, are you the one in bondage? You need help? You need freedom? Jesus has got an answer for you. He can set you free. Maybe you're the desperate one crying out. There's a situation in your life that that you're a part of. You're the desperate one crying out. Jesus will hear your cry. See, the disciples heard the scribes and all their arguments. Jesus heard the cries of his father and all of his problems. Or are you the distracted and powerless disciple? And certainly I think the story would lead us into understanding, let's let's be more like Jesus, the one who has help in the time of trouble. Which one are you? Jesus is here. Here, he's, he's here to help. He's here to help you walk this out. Live the life that you were created to live. And his, his statement to you, if he could look you in the face, he would say, if you can only believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen.